You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Perez, Chris Scales, David Flowers, Tony Groves, William Gibson. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, Mike. What's up? Good evening. Hey, well, it's a lot going on. We're the week before Daytona here. Daytona 500 is literally next week uh, uh, on Wednesday. And uh, we got the new Pro Series starting on the trucks on the Tuesday before that uh, next week. So lots going on. Um, Let's talk about the old Road to Pro that just wrapped up. And that was the winter series. I think it ran 13 weeks. And uh, the A car, and we finished out at Daytona. And, uh, man, I was so confident going into that race. And what did I get? I got P3. And I was actually in position to take the win. Uh, We were like two to go. I was going to make my move. I was pushing the guy on the bottom. And I was going to come up into the second lane and go buy him for the win with the one to go. I was waiting for the one to go. But the stupid caution came out and ruined my plan. So I got a P3. Wow, what a race, though. Uh, I ended up 84th in points in the series. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, after you know, I think I was like almost 100th in points before that. And so I gained, because of Daytona with that P3, I jumped to 84th, just like that. Uh, Tony, uh, boy, you had something going, but you had to stop for fuel. What happened? Yeah, that was, uh, like, that was such a bummer, too, because I was, I was having a really decent run. And, uh, um, yeah, so I, I had to come in, for, come in for fuel, and I just, uh, you know, I, just a quick, uh, quick fuel, so I just, uh, I think I put in five gallons. And I got back out on track and um, I was with a couple of guys and, you know, everything was going good. There was uh, a couple of cars got into it. They bounced off the wall um, and I missed all that stuff. I thought there was a caution, wasn't paying attention to the screen, no, no caution. So I was kind of going a little slower, lost the pack that I was in. And with me just running by myself, I used more fuel. And uh, so I had to come back in with. I think about 10 to go and I ended up losing about five spots because of that. Um, I was looking at like a 12th place place finish. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was hoping for a top 10, but, uh, I would have settled fine for 12th, but you know, 17th, uh, I had zero X's, it, you know, it was a nice clean race. And other than my little, my little mess up there, um, it, it was, it was a good run for me. Yep, it was a good run. Yeah, I was surprised. But so, did you calculate? Were you being aggressive on the fuel you know, on your calculation because you didn't take a full tank, trying to save time? Uh, was it aggressive, or it was just based on your fuel mileage in a pack, and then you lost the pack? Yeah, I was basing everything, uh, you know, being in the pack. Um, uh, yeah, it was a little aggressive, but I was trying to gain a couple extra spots, and eh, you know, sometimes you make the right call, sometimes you don't. So. Yep. All right. Chris Scales, uh, you wrecked out. That's what I put in my notes. Tell us about your race. 
yeah, yeah. There, there's not much to tell when when Tony's talking about the um, the wrecks that he missed. Uh, yeah, myself and Justin, we were in those wrecks. We didn't miss them. So yeah, it wrecked out early. Um, and I uh, spent half an hour getting that fixed just to get back out and get caught up in another wreck. Nothing, nothing you can do. Just kind of way Daytona goes, I guess. Um, it didn't help that I missed qualifying. I didn't realize that uh, they were doing qualifying, you know, the old way instead of right before the race. And so that put me and Tony way in the back, and, and I didn't luck through the wreck, unfortunately. Yeah, that's been stupid they did that. Hopefully they won't do that again. Yeah, Justin Laird, you mentioned him. He got wrecked on the pace lap, actually, um, and then wrecked again in the wreck you were with. Um, and then he said later that his uh, Fanatec pedals stopped working. So he, I don't know what the outcome of that was. Yeah, I think he started six. So that just kind of goes to show you it doesn't matter where you're at. You can, you know, sometimes you miss them at Daytona, sometimes you don't. <laughs> yeah, Will, you had a lot of incident points, but uh, good finish. Yeah, I felt like I dodged most of the action. I actually posted a little clip up on the Tafosi Facebook, and eight of those X were just like weird net codes from bigger wrecks in front of me that I squeezed through. Um, and then two X was just pushing somebody at the end, got them a little squirrely. But yeah, I ended up P6. I just I try to run as conservative as possible there and just survive what I can and see where I bring it home. I felt like I could have got up a little bit higher. Um, there was a group of two cars in front of me, but we ended under caution as well. So, uh, leaders kind of pulled a pretty good gap, but I felt like if if we were able to go green, I probably could have got up to P4. Um, but it was a good race. It kind of bummer getting those netcode 4Xs, but it's better than destroying the car. So, yep. Uh, so I mentioned uh, 84th in points. I think I was the only one on the team who ran all. The races, I actually ran, I didn't run Sonoma. I ran all of them but Sonoma. Uh, but another guy, Keegan Leahy, he put up uh, some stats after the series was over about at least the top 20 finishers. And these are the guys going into peak, guys. Okay, so I, get, I, I thought I'd bring this up and we could talk about some of these names because you're going to be seeing these names in peak. Uh, Brad Davies won the most races, three. Will Cooley had the most polls, three. Uh, Nicholas Shelton, Keegan Lee, Colton Davis, and Casey Kerwin each recorded five top fives. And three drivers completed every lap. Lansonier, Nasir, Brad Davies, and David Radler. So, yeah, those are some of the names you're going to see in peak because they uh, finished in the top 20 in this series, and that's how they get promoted. Uh, iRacing also put out a video about uh, this upcoming uh, NASCAR iRacing Road to Pro Series, which starts next Tuesday night. And it was a pretty nice video. What do you guys think? Uh, it shows the trucks uh, going around the track with some neat music. And uh, what do you think, David? Does this get you hyped up? Definitely. I cannot wait for trucks next Tuesday. Um, you know, we'll see how far we get. Um but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I think it'll be high participation. That's why it'll be fun. Yeah, I love the trucks. I think most people do. So yeah, I think you're right. I think there'll be a ton of people in, the, in these things. Yeah, it's going to be very, very competitive. 
and it's already in the drop down uh, menu at the top of the website. I was looking at it today and looking at the schedule. It's 100 laps, dynamic weather, Daytona. So it should be fun. I'm always like Daytona. I guess I'm usually in an A car, but I'll try the truck. I'll run it. You know, for me, running Daytona always ends up the same. I always end up on my lid, so we'll see. Hopefully, you know, it won't end up that way. Yeah, so this will be the new feeder system that feeds into what's called the Pro Series, which will be the Xfinity car. And from there, they run and feed into the peak is how I think it works. So, Yeah, I think it's the top 20 of the trucks and the bottom 20 of peak are going to do the winner pro series. And that will be, I think like on the Tuesdays, kind of like how pro was this time. So it's like you could fall out of peak or you could race your way up to the pro series. And then the top from that go back into peak. So it's, I think it's a good transition system. Um, I kind of wish they would open it to everybody um, during the winter for the B car. And then just have, the, obviously, the top split be just those drivers racing their way in. Just to give people something to do during the off season. But it should still be a good series. Yeah, but with the thing with the NASCAR teams starting their thing, uh, with the uh, NASCAR eSports, this could all blow up and switch over to whatever they wanted it to be. So, who knows? I mean, uh, at the moment, this is how it is. Now, this series does run February through October. So, this is... Uh, very much like NIS. I mean, uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, it's different in NIS because NIS has several starts a week. This is one start a week. If you have a bad race, you have a bad race. Just like real life. I know. It's cool. I like it. But now this one runs every other week, correct? Yeah, it's every other Tuesday, basically. There are some exceptions to that. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, this this will be good. I I'm looking forward to it. I I plan on running uh wow. Yeah, as long as it don't get in the way of my vacations and stuff, uh I, I hope to make every start. I think there's drop weeks, but I'm not certain. Yeah, I don't remember seeing anything about drop weeks actually. Um like right through it, I don't remember. I think it said something about fifteen to seventeen best weeks. So that'd be two. That sounds fair. Yeah, because yeah, people have two, vacations. It says two but, drop yeah. weeks. Yeah, and like in NIS, I think there's six traditionally. So uh, that would make sense if there's drop weeks. Well, let's talk other racing. Uh, official league GRC hosted. I ran GRC uh, the other day, guys, and made top split. And guess who I was racing with? None other than Christopher Bell. And Mike McKinney. Uh, Mike McKinney, if you don't know, is the uh, uh, UMP Modified Champion in real life. Uh, and then obviously Christopher Bell is uh, runs for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity Series and recently won the Chili Bowl. Um, and it was pretty, they were schooling me. In qualifying, I was like way off. I want to say two and a half, three seconds or something. And uh, And I wasn't like slouching around either. Uh, and then at, during the race... I was like side by side with Chris Bell and I was about ready to run into him and I was like really nervous trying not to wreck him <laughs> and he went on by and I never saw him. I never caught him again. So, uh, but it was kind of cool to kind of bump, uh, you know, rub fenders with those guys. 
Yeah, I wish I could have watched in that race. I was on, but I was in a race myself. But we had, you get around those tracks pretty well, and I would have liked to have seen somebody you know that was beating you by two and a half, three seconds, because I just can't imagine. I mean, that's just so quick. Yeah, I kept up through, I think, lap, you know, the first lap, you know, maybe the first couple corners. Because I, ha- I always start good. I, I mean, I had a good start, and I was side-by-side side with him going down into two. And uh, it was pretty cool. All right. Uh, any other races you guys want to mention, official league hosted, that you want to bring up? I I did a, um, a hosted race that was just, like, really late after work one day. It was uh, street stocks at the Phoenix Road Course, actually. And that thing was a ton of fun. Um, was battling for the lead for a while. Kind of got into an incident on the last corner, finished second. But it, I always enjoy when people make these hosted races that are kind of a little off. You get a car and a track combination that doesn't usually go well together. And pretty much everybody's on a level playing field. No one has a setup. It's just get out there and drive. So that was actually really one of the funnest races I've done in quite a while. So that was definitely fun. Oh, that's a neat combo. Yeah, it, it the car handled great, and uh, I knew a good chunk of the track from the GRC. Um, you kind of go through kind of the S's there. Where the jump is, obviously, there's no jump. Um, but the final turn going back onto, like, the NASCAR oval is kind of center of the backstretch. And the way the street stock was, it would, like, over-rotate, because, like, the way the setup was, because it was, like, a fixed baseline setup, and... That was probably, it was really weird at first, but a ton of fun to drive. So, um, yeah, I enjoy those kind of things that are just, they don't really make sense, but they are fun. Yeah, we did, uh, in the Precision Racing League one season, we did the street stock at Auto Club Interior, which is like an autocross course. And, man, just it was just so much fun just to be able to slide that car around because it's so easy to catch. Just a blast to do. <laughs> yeah, slow tracks are fun sometimes. All right, we got tons of topics, guys. Let's get into it. Uh, Tony, what do you got first? Oh, the uh, the update that was postponed um, got released on February 1st. And, uh, oh, I just hit the wrong link. There we go. Um, not, not a huge one. Um, uh, so they did some physics work. The uh, object settling process is now run before the dirt is added to tracks, prevents objects from appearing to float above the, the surface at the dirt tracks. Um, did a little bit more work with the heat racing. Uh, some additional uh, heat racing sessions configurations are now available for use in, in the hosted racing. Um, some spotter and visual effects stuff. It's actually, uh, well, like it is, you know, it's, it, like a hot fix. Um, yep. Pretty, pretty small, but, uh, hits a few issues that are, that were going on. Yeah. That spotter one is one we've been talking about a long time coming. Uh, that was the one where if you did the rewind or fast forward, the spotter would stop working. So it's kind of nice to finally see that one fixed. Yes. Yeah. See, I didn't realize that was as big of an issue as it was. Um, I guess I've, not uh not done that so i've i I hadn't seen that issue 
It's been around for probably, I want to say, nine months or something. This has been an ongoing issue. So um, people always reported it in the 24-hour races. And um, it be, I guess it's because of a longer session and they're more likely to hit rewind or fast forward. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Because yeah, if you're if if somebody's like, hey, what what happened? You know, hour three or whatever. You know, if you got one guy watching, you know, trying to hold the watch the whole thing, you can kind of go back and be like, oh, well, that's what happened there, and that happened there, and stuff like that. So yeah, it was it, it becomes a definite thing. All right, Will, what's next? Oh, sorry, I had the wrong button queued there. Uh, so it looks like next they actually posted up, um, they are not touching the IMSA series. So with the introduction of the new LMP1 cars, there was a lot of questions about how they're going to do it, how they're going to lay it out. And they actually announced they are not touching the IMSA series. Um, they're discussing creating a new series um, called the iRacing Le Mans series, which will feature LMP1, GTE, and HPD. Um, and not be a team series. They're going to, it looks like, update the Proto GT to include GT1 and GT2 cars. And then a second series called the iRacing Le Mans Endurance Series, which will feature the same cars as the iRacing Le Mans series, um, but longer races that are team-based. So it looks like we're kind of getting a little um, closer to settling on what those divisions are going to be, how they're going to restructure that with the introduction of the LMP cars, which hopefully should be next build, I believe. Yeah, what a mess. I mean, last week we talked about they announced it this way, and then this week, okay, no, you guys wrote us 22-page forum post about it. We're going to change it, you know, based on your feedback, and they did. So, and now we have a different way they're going to do it. So, I can't even keep up. Yeah, there's a lot of road series um i think there's like the imsa the sprint series you have the endurance blanc pain and now the iRacing le mans series so hopefully they once they get it all settled they can start condensing that stuff um i'm not sure which cars fall under the gt1 and gt2 but i know the proto gt series never has cars whenever i see them so yeah, that's that's a dead series. Same for the most part with the the Porsche GT Cup. That's kind of a dead series. I mean, there's there's a lot of series on the roadsides that just there there are cars that are fun to drive, but you have no drivers for them. Yeah, so let's add more. That that'll fix it. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, that's why this is ridiculous. They're already spread so thin. There's not enough drivers to race all this stuff they're setting up. Well, I think the the IMSA, if I'm not mistaken, has actually been one of the most consistent and most popular, um, which I think is why they got so much uh, backlash when they talked about changing it. So I think it's smart for them to leave that alone, but to add another series... They're cannibalizing it, is what they're doing. They're gonna I, I really think they're going to lose a lot of drivers from IMSA to the Le Mans series. Right. And then give it another year, they'll combine them like they originally planned. So Okay. Yeah, if they do that, and if that's a long-term goal, that's a great idea. Yeah, That's what I could see happening. Because they really need to um, either condense these series or make some of that older content, like those Proto GT cars. I know there's like the Corvette, the old Ford GT. I think it's time for them to make those free cars and maybe do a fun series or something. 
because having that many is not healthy for the sim. Well, like I said, like there there are cars that people aren't going to buy. Like like me, for example, I, I knew not to buy the the Proto GT or is, is that the Nissan? Is that the Nissan GT car? I think that one includes that one. I think the Corvette, the old Ford GT. So well, yeah, there's the, a handful of older ones. Yeah, and and I, I I knew just because people don't run those series, I knew you know not to buy those cars. I mean, the only reason I'd even buy the the Corvette is because that's the prototype for the you know 24 hour endurance races usually. So that's the only reason I'd buy that car if I wanted to run the prototype. But well, there's it. actually a a second Corvette, like a more traditional GT style, kind of like what like Dell Earnhardt and Dell Junior used to race. Yeah, the um, C6 or whatever it was. Yeah, there's a lot of content definitely going going unused, and hopefully they're able to sort it out. Yeah, it's it's very confusing for the novice person who's not like myself. I'm, I mean, I know a little bit about road racing, but you know, not enough to understand which cars are in what and all that stuff. But all right, let's go into the next topic. Uh, we got a Facebook post uh, on iRacing's page with some pictures of a trip to Clint Boyer Racing, where they were uh, looking at their new chassis and uh, talking dirt with the team there basically and so the group of guys from iRacing went there uh, they also twittered up a picture of uh, the uh, vehicle dynamic engineer Steve Reese who we often talk about uh, from the forum post he actually has his picture here on Twitter uh, standing next to the dirt car and talking talking shop with these guys and trying to figure out how it works uh, another Twitter post from Clint Boyer himself uh, I'll read it here it says you tell that man thanks for getting me all dialed in on my simulator. Also tell him my wife was looking for me this morning as I encountered a problem last night in which I couldn't remove my ass out of the seat till really late. And so apparently Steve Reese went over to Clint Boyer's house and helped him dial in his simulator and they raced all night. Pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a problem we all have faced at one point in since we got onto the sim um but it's it's just kind of nice to see you know someone like clint boyer and yeah guess what i'm getting shit for this too <laughs> yeah he's up all night running something yeah i'd be i thought it was pretty cool if it would be uh an engineer from my racing came to my house and helped me dial in my you know uh fov and set up my angles and everything and how far away i should be sitting from the from the you know wheel and all that stuff that'd be cool all right uh what's next uh tony you're next uh tyler hudson uh reaching out to well basically everybody, everybody. yeah um asking for uh submissions for season two track schedules and length of races um now they uh he he only wants community-based schedules not individual requests but uh so everybody get them together and uh he's requesting them to to get them by wednesday february 14th so we can get it all lined up the way you guys want it this is such a cool part of i racing i i love the fact that they do this 
Yeah, I just hope the community's taking advantage of the opportunity. So, yeah, he posted up in every single car series about this. And, you know, he's letting the community pick the schedule. I mean, you don't like the races, uh, the tracks that are picked? Here's your opportunity. And I think in a lot of these series, there's not a lot of people talking about the schedule or coming up with one. And that's kind of a problem, too, I think. Yeah, well, abs- absolutely. Um, you know, there's, uh, geez, they got almost two pages on the street stock. But then if you look over some of the other ones, um, you might only have one or two posts. Yeah, like the uh, oval car, the modified uh, pavement oval. There's no uh, forum post besides what Tyler posted and one other guy. And But there's no discussion. I mean, there's not like a community saying, oh, this is what track we should run. Because nobody runs this car. So, you know, it's kind of a mute point, I guess. Yeah, it goes back to the discussion about, you know, dying cars on the roadside. There's dying cars on both sides that should be taken care of. Maybe they just need to cycle them out because there's so many, you know, they... They go away for a season and then they come back, or I don't know. Well, this I was just thinking. Um, we last week we talked about the most popular series and tracks, and it was all free content. What if they just rotated season by season what free content was? Like season one, the modifieds free. Season two, the V8 supercars are free, and rotate them week in and week out. So one. As you're subscribing, you are rotating that content, kind of like say, hey, like League of Legends does with their heroes or something of that nature. And say maybe you do run the Asphalt Modifieds for one year or one season and you love it. So now you're more willing to buy it for the next season rather than it being just the Miata, the Street Stock. I think a like a rotating system of free content would open more doors for people to try that stuff out and let it all grow because there's some really really fun cars on the service that just they don't have fields and i think we've seen that if the content is included with your subscription like the miata the street stocks i think usa i can't pronounce that japanese track okinawa or whatever that was and all of that was right at the top of the board by a tremendous amount if they rotated what we got season by season by just being a member I think that would help the sim overall, um, because yeah, the lot, it's kind of sad to see a lot of that stuff just dying off. Yep. Well, and so what do we do about it? We add more cars. What's the next story there, Will? Oh yeah, so we are adding another car. It looks like we are getting. Um, I think we've talked about this, but there's more official stuff. We are getting the Subaru in GRC. So kind of pretty straightforward news there. Yeah, Subaru's coming. It was an article uh, on uh, bsimracing.com, and they pointed out that uh, in an interview from Steve Myers, uh, yep, it's coming. And I think another one that has yet to be announced. Uh, we'll hear that a little bit later. Uh, let's get into the next topic. Um, big news from Tony Gardner's uh, Tony Gardner, CEO of iRacing. He announced on the forums... Uh, heads up, we're going to have three new world championship level eSports series. 
We've been working with our wonderful partners to coordinate. It will be a little rush this year, but I'm excited to announce Red Bull GRC World Championship Series, the World of Outlaws Late Model World Championship Series, and finally the World of Outlaws Sprint Car World Championship Series. These are not the official names. There could be sponsors. The names might be different, etc. Currently, we're targeting GRC for Thursday night and World of Outlaw on Monday nights, but that could change. GRC and World of Outlaws are very excited about the series and the promotion, which is fabulous. These will be broadcast and will include cash prizes similar to our other series. And, uh, wow, that's big news, guys, uh, for the dirt racers, uh, dirt road and dirt oval. Uh, we've been talking about this all week. What do you think, Will? I'm, I'm definitely excited, especially for the dirt oval side. Um, but also for the GRC, um, because so many GRC drivers are on this, on the sim, I think it's a great way to showcase what the sim can do. The only thing I'm a little curious of how they're going to work out is the two different pro dirt license. Are we going to get a fifth license for dirt for say lay models or sprint cars, or will that be combined? So there's a little bit to work out there, but it's definitely, definitely exciting. Yep. Uh, Tony Gardner went on to post as the uh, uh, forum post evolved, uh, saying, hey, you know, this is a work in progress, folks, uh, and it will evolve as far as timing. There was a lot of discussion about what day to run it, what time of day to run it, you know, what's fair for the Australians, you know, the normal discussions, you know. And, And Tony, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he basically says, you know, it, they'd go the extra mile to partner with organizations like NASCAR, World of Outlaws, GRC, Blank Pain, etc. And these partners are involved in the decisions and many factors are considered. For example, they strongly prefer a time in which they feel they can put the most into it and generate a bigger audience, including their fan base. They don't want to overlap with real world, etc. So that's where these scheduling decisions are coming from. They're being dictated by the real life, uh, you know, promotional partner, NASCAR, you know, blank pain, GRC, etc. I would say the biggest problem with that on the dirt oval side is those guys can race three to four nights a week. So there's really not a not a good time for that um, is the only thing I would say from the dirt side. Yep, and then Tyler Hudson also posted in the same uh, forum thread that they're looking at the possibility of using snake splits uh, for these Dirt World Championship qualifying series. Um, Now, who knows what snake split is? Can you explain it? I would have no clue. Never even heard of it until right now. Sounds just like a serpentine split, so like... Like, like like a serpentine draft almost. So like if if you're first, uh, like in round one of a draft, you're last in round two of a draft. So it sounds well, like the same thing. Okay, so let me get into it. It's it's not split by normal like I rating. Okay, it's split kind of by speed. But the way they do it is, the fastest guy goes into split one. The second fastest guy goes into split two. The third fastest in split one. The fourth and 
split too. And they split it up kind of like that. That's the way I think it works. Yeah, that sounds about accurate from everything I've read and how I understand it. It would basically, instead of having the the way they would split, instead of having like a strength of field of like, say, 4,000, the next split, next split would have a strength of field of like 3,000 and so on. It would be kind of evenly spread. So each race would be, the strength of field would be pulled down a little bit because you have one really fast guy and one guy is not so good and the next guy is not as good. But because it's such a new license, they want to really give everybody a shot versus the people who did take the time to grind their I rating up, say, in Rally or Dirt, Oval. So it's kind of trying to make it a little bit fair because it's kind of such a new license class. That's right, because not all the fast guys have the I rating yet, you know, because it is so new. And so... Yeah, if there's another way they could do it is by qualifying speed. You could say, okay, from slowest to fastest, the top, you know, the top fastest half goes into split one, and the slowest guys go into split two. But what snake split is is you take and literally mix those up. You put half the fastest guys in the split two, half in the in split one. Same with the slow guys. You kind of mix it all up. So the splits are basically equal as far as talent and I rating. So hopefully I said that right. Um, okay, who's next? Tony, you're up. Okay. <laughs> Got myself a little lost there. Um, yeah, this is the I rating for team racing. And yeah. right now, team racing does not change your I rating. So like when we run the 24 hours, it didn't. It doesn't affect it. Yeah, so they're so they're uh, thinking about turning on the I rating for team racing. I don't know if that'd be a good thing or not. Yeah, that's what Tony Gardner is uh, posting in the forums. Hey, why don't we turn it on? What do you what What are we gonna lose? So, what do you think, guys? Turn it on. Turn it off. Turn it on. It makes some. You know. It's- you're out there grinding away for 12 hours, 6 hours, 24 hours, or whatever as a team. You know, you need more of a game than just the simple safety rating boost. Because, I mean, a lot of times you can get to 4.99 or whatever easily in a 24-hour race. But given the reward of I rating boost, too, that would be just even better. Yeah, so let's be clear, because there is some confusion in the thread we're not talking about a rating, I rating that's assigned to Team Tifosi. This is still individual road I rating for each individual in the team would be affected by how the team performed overall. If you had a good race, then everybody on the team gets I rating. If you have a bad race, everybody loses I rating. So that's kind of how that goes. I think they should turn it on. I think it seems fair. Um, like, if you're going to put that much time and energy and invest into it, you should definitely get something out of it. There might be people that try to abuse the system and take advantage of it to gain a little extra I rating, but over time, that stuff just kind of settles where it belongs, and you got to work hard to grind it up. So I think there are some bad sides to it, but I think overall, I think it gives people more incentive to do these events. Yeah, Randy Cassidy from iRacing actually put in details of how it works. They've actually already developed it, but they turned it off at the initial 
release of t- uh, team racing because they didn't think people would participate. And uh, so anyway, he explains how it works. He says, uh, this team I rating is a weighted average of the I ratings of the team members that actually drove during the race. Each driver's I rating is weighted by the proportion of the team's laps that particular driver ran in the race. If one of the team's drivers did 50% of the team's lap, then that then their team's I rating will be weighted 50% towards that driver's I rating and so on. So if that makes sense. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is, is the longer you drive in a team event, the more it's weighted towards that one person's eye. Right, ride. that person will be more affected if they ran more, right. So like for the 24 hours of Daytona, for example, um, me, uh, dang, I cannot remember the other guy's name off the top of my head right now, but me, Will, and him pretty much did the majority of the racing, so it would have affected all three of our eye ratings the majority. Right, and then me who did this a shorter stint would have a less impact. But it's still based on where you finished, you know, just like I-rating is based. Yeah. The only thing I can see bad with that is, say, two guys carry the team, and then guy number three hops in the car, destroys it, ruins their race, with yep. like, an, say, an hour-long stint. It's going to negatively affect those other two guys a little bit more. Um but that yeah. just means pick your team wisely, I guess. Yeah, that's what that means. Yep, you can't. You don't want a bad guy on your team like, because of that. Now, I actually piped in on this forum thread, and here's what I said. Uh, here's my reasoning. Uh, add it, okay? Add the iRating changes. Why? Because it's official racing. Official racing should affect SR and IR. Um, that's what we always tell new people that come in, but we also have to say, oh, but, but except for team racing, it does, that's official, but it doesn't affect your IR. But now, you know, we should be able to say that. We should say official racing always affects your IR, regardless. So that was my reason. I feel the same way. Yeah, accountability is always a good thing. I mean, even if you're... Um you know, not very good, it, maybe it'll give you more incentive to, to get out and practice and get better at that track and car combination, um, just so that way you're not going to let down your teammates. Um, I, I, I could see it being a very good thing, yeah. Plus, I think, it, like especially with I-rating, it would cut down some of the shenanigans. Like, uh, I've been slowly watching the top split of the 24 hours of Daytona, and like, one of the drivers from Team Redline, he screwed up real bad, and since his I rating wasn't affected, he just turned around and hit the guy he crashed into a, like a second time, and then kept driving. And so, even though they were out for the race, he's still going to have his, you know, fifty six hundred I rating or you know whatever he is, because he's one of those types of drivers. Yeah, Tyler also posted up in this. Another, a good example of how this works. Let's say based on your finish and the team event, you were going to get a 100 I rating is what the finishing result says. So with 100 I rating, if driver A ran 55% of the race, he gets 55 points. Driver B ran 25% of the race, he would have 25 I rating points. Because they're splitting up that 100 based on the percentage of the amount you've ran in the race. And doing it that way, I mean, that really wouldn't make a huge, huge difference. I mean, if you go and run, 
you know, uh, 200 laps at Daytona, it, you know, and, it, and and you improve, you know, ADI rating, same thing. You do a 24-hour event and, you know, you might lose 10I rating because the laps are so much more that, you know, getting, you know, the safety rating is not going to affect much. So, you know, if, if you end up doing, let's say, you know, the there were over 800 laps for Daytona. If you on your stint do... 120 laps that you know that's not going to super affect your i rating negatively and it'll help it positively depending on how you finish if there's no if you don't if you have a bad finish and there's no i rating to be gained and you're losing i rating you're obviously going to lose a percentage of i rating so the one thing i was just thinking too is like the daytona it had like what 17 something splits when you split a field that much for those special events, the strength of field gets narrower, so the amount you can gain and lose is much smaller. Yeah. Um, I mean, the most I've ever gained in a race was a dirt race. I think I gained like 81. I'd, I, even if I split that in half, that's only 40 points. That's not, that's not a lot in the scheme of things, whether it's up or down. Um, so I don't really see people making big swings anyway, so let them get something. Because really, when you look at it, they're really not going to gain a whole lot. Best case scenario. All right, let's get to the next topic. Will, what do you got? Uh, newbie questions about NIS. Uh, yeah, so we had a post up on the forums from uh, Seven Stockman. Um, just taking having some rookie questions. Um, question one was, can I choose one out of the three cars from the A-Series? Are there any differences between them? Two, I need to have a C license or D 4.0. And then the third one is how likely is it that you... Oh, sorry. Something distracted me there. Um, how likely is it that there are many splits on the Saturday 1700 GMT time slot for fixed? Or can you say if this slot will be highly populated from experience? So um, I'm not experienced enough to answer the third one, but I would say... The, between the three A cars, it's just body. Uh, the license does need to be C, but if you're D licensed with a 4.0, I think you just that automatically. Yeah, that's C. I don't know. I've never understood that. But as far as how participation is, that's um, that's a little outside of my wheelhouse. The the reason they say D 4.0 will is because D 4.0 when you hit that, as long as you meet your race mandatory race participation you automatically get bumped up to the next class regardless of where you're at in the season. But if you didn't do your NPR, you could stay at a D4.0 and still race. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think I've ever hit 4.0 without running, I think, was it like four or five races? Right. Yeah, it's kind of an odd scenario, I think. As far as the cars go, the Ford, Toyota, Chevy, visually they're different. As far as mechanically, they're the same car. The sets are interchangeable. They are the same thing. So don't think that Chevy is better than a Ford, is better than a Toyota. It doesn't work like that. Uh, participation. I think Wednesday night, the first night, is the most popular. And maybe sat Sunday night, the final night as well. Uh, but for fixed, I mean, Thursday night, you know, um, is also popular. So... Yeah, now, the 1700 GMT, now I never understood GMT. If people put it into Eastern Standard Time, I'm game. 
I think he's talking about Friday night. <laughs> Tony, GMT stands for Greenwich Mean Time. Add five hours to Eastern Time. So 1,700 plus 5, 2,200. That's 10 p.m. Yeah, so it's 7 o'clock, 721 right now, Tony, Eastern. It's um, 1221 East uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Why do they got to make it so damn complicated? <laughs> yeah, this show, yeah, show American time and Eastern and let's be done with it. Yeah, because he says Saturday, but I think he really means Friday. Uh, yeah, for he, he Friday does. night, as far as for our perspective here in the United States. Be- because the way it works is with the Greenwich Mean Time, 9 p.m. Friday night is 2 a.m. Saturday Greenwich Mean Time. That's all that means. All right. I got the next topic. Uh, Sirius XM Radio had some serious iRacing discussions. Uh, Tony, you told me about this. What did you hear? Yeah, now, um, this is on the Dave Moody uh, show. Um, and I, I love listening to Dave Moody. He's he's great. Um, now, unfortunately, I didn't get to listen to a whole lot. It was basically for my 10-minute uh car ride uh taking my daughter to to swimming practice and um and picking her up and stuff but um yeah they were they were just talking about the you know the the new series they're trying the new e-series that they're trying to set up and uh basically for four hours he was uh um from what i understand anyways is that he was he was mainly talking to people calling in and getting all their thoughts now the 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 big thing that i i took away from that at the end is um one of the callers called in and said, "I don't know, I, you know, I don't know why all these people are hating on uh, this this whole idea. I mean, it's actually a pretty good idea." And um, Dave Moody was, uh, you know, quick to correct him and said, "You know, we we've been talking about this for four hours, having people call in and give us their thoughts on it, and he said that only about three people really uh, um, thought negatively uh, about this. So he's like quite a huge positive response, and um, you know, even people that have never been on." Um, you know, they were, they were sounding quite positive about it. Um, but yeah, lots of love and, you know, that, that carried over to, um, a few other shows. I basically listen to the NASCAR channel all the time when I'm in my truck and, um, there, there was a a few other shows that were, were talking a lot about this new E-series coming. Yeah, that's a lot of good press, you know, four hours of XM radio. That's huge. Uh. There was a lot of forum posts about it as well. There was a lot of people that heard it and mentioned it. And like you said, it was all pretty pretty much positive stuff. So can't uh, any publicity is good, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, pretty much all the, all the main, you know, all the main hosts for the, for the various uh, weekday shows were, um, had something to say about it. And it, it was all pretty much positive. Okay, next topic I'm taking. It's a post uh, a post race about the Daytona Road to Pro that just finished up, uh, where the top twenty are going into peak. Well, there's always that guy in twenty first who didn't quite make it, you know. But guess what? Tyler Hudson ran that series as well, and he's an employee of iRacing. And the guy is insinuating that if Tyler hadn't run the series, that he would have made the top twenty because Tyler finished in front of him or something along those lines. Anyway, 
uh, Tyler finally responded to all this nonsense, and uh, he, he he wrote a, a a few things in here. I want to read out. Um, he says, "I apologize if anyone feels like I ruined their season. Our policy at iRacing iRacing is employees cannot compete for prizes or for premier prize-paying series championships. iRacing strongly encourages employees to race in official series and use the product to its fullest as time permits." It helps us learn about issues, keeps us sharp on all the details of our product. The racing and the user experience connects us to the customers. My job at iRacing is Director of Competition and Community Manager. I am here to help you guys. Over 200 plus people registered for Daytona. Some of the top split did not even participate all year. Which is okay because that's what the series allows. One reason we went with the new format for Road to Pro and then the Pro Series for qualifying into the World Cup Series is so that the drivers in Pro are racing others who are directly competing for a spot in Peak. With all that being said, we are changing our policy so that no employee can race in the Road to Pro, Pro or World Championship Series, or any other series that directly qualifies you for a World Championship Series. Blah, blah, blah. So basically, they changed their policy. So Tyler cannot race now in any of these feeder series uh, because somebody was making a stink. I don't think it's really fair. Let the guy race. I've raced with Tyler once um, in a late model race, and that dude schooled me. And when I first read this, I had the impression like he wrecked somebody or something happened. And I was at work, so I didn't get a chance to really go through it. But if that guy was worried because Tyler took like one spot and that might have affected points, he was beat by somebody better than him. And I think that's kind of unfair to those guys because they put a lot of work and effort in and probably want to enjoy the sim just as much as we do. And when I first initially read it, I really thought like there was a wreck or something happened. And I thought that was kind of weird because the one race I had with Tyler, he ran this guy side by side for 30 plus laps in a late model, never once made contact. And, I was kind of bummed out when I saw it, but now that I know it's because of the way the points lined up, I mean, that's kind of like the Nationwide Series or the Truck Series complaining about cup guys. It's like, if you're beat by somebody better than you, you're just beat by somebody better than you. Um, and no matter how that affects your championship, I think it's kind of unfair to kind of penalize those guys on the yeah. staff. Yeah, it feels like the liberal left want to want something here. It kind of disgusts me, but I mean, I would rather get beat by people better than me every race than win races that are super easy, because um, that's how you get better, and that's the point of the pro series. And yeah, it could have been one spot and a couple points that affected this guy's chance to make it to the peak series, but he still got beat, and he's going to get beat by better guys in the peak series. So it's like if you can't handle getting beat by one staffer how are you gonna act when you're at that professional championship level that's somebody i wouldn't want at that level so um i think it's kind of sad well also yeah man you, you you got beat out that much work on your craft work on your setups next time it comes up get in well what's next do they oh we we don't think it's fair that the pros a professional race car driver can come into iRacing and steal our thunder. And so next thing they'll do is ban the pros, you know. It's stupid. No, they, they, they should let everybody race. I, I don't think they're going to ban the pros, Mike, because no. everybody is entitled to 
the exact equal treatment on the sim. It doesn't matter who it is. If if I got beat out going to to peak by a couple of points, instead of complaining about it, I'm gonna figure out where I went wrong, get with my people, work on my setups, right. and try even harder next time. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people on the forum post told that guy that too. Exactly what you just said. You, you know, you make yourself better. You don't yell at point fingers at Tyler. But uh, let's get into the big story of the week. Uh, I'll start it, and then uh, Will and I are going to trade off because this is a lot of information. We had a viral video go on viral on Twitch. It was called uh, um, Scott Speed Tries to Kill Jake Number 3. And uh, it's a road race and a GT cars and and uh, they're racing side by side. It's a racing incident. I mean, they just kind of sideswipe each other and Scott Speed kind of gets turned off the guy's nose. It was a racing deal. And so after that, the guy comes back around and Scott's going slow. He comes up behind him and he tries to take him out. It doesn't work or he misses basically. And then it, there's a big, long sweeping corner coming up ahead and he goes flying at full speed across the, the grass, you know, aiming at the guy trying to take him out again. And so two very blatant moves that were very intentional. He actually missed both times, but it was, he was trying to kill that guy, you know, and we're talking about Scott speed. He's a former Formula One driver. He's a champion of GRC. Uh, in fact, the GRC car that I race every day is Scott Speed's scar, uh, race car that we scanned, or iRacing scanned. And so he was very involved in the development of GRC and has been in videos for iRacing, uh, promoting the product as a spokesperson, etc. Um, so what happened next, uh, Will? So, yeah, next thing, um, I think right after this started to go viral, Scott Speed posted up his rig, um, the one we talked about about two, three weeks ago, um, for sale. Um, I think it, it's, yeah, it's already shown as sold. So he pretty much sold that whole setup, the one that he worked with with his engineer, to make sure all the brakes and everything were properly pressured and the handbrake was in the right spot, and it is gone. So you probably won't be seeing much of Scott Speed in the, um, on the sim too much more yep and uh it actually sold within a few hours 7500 bucks is what he was asking for it um it went pretty darn quick he posted up a, a, an ad on facebook marketplace to sell it and uh the next thing that happened was the media picked up on it because it was a viral video uh there was an article over at thedrive.com and basically announced that Scott Speed has been suspended from iRacing over intentional crashes. And uh, they actually had a quotation from him uh, that, you know, basically, yeah, I don't know. I don't see the quote in front of me, but uh, it, he wasn't very gracious about it. He basically said, that guy is a pussy for uh, filing a protest, is basically what he said. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that Scott Speed missed. I think somebody needs to add maybe some music and maybe take together some uh, Scott Speed sound clips, and you could probably make that video hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I understood over that was, uh, yeah, he was upset because uh, you know the guy protested him, 
and that you know it, you you should be allowed to to retaliate um you know if if you get into it because that's what happens in real life now i don't know but I don't watch a whole lot of road racing, but the kind of retaliation in that video that went viral, I think, is a little over the top. Yeah, that was a big yeah. swing and a miss. <laughs> well, on what you were just saying, it seems like there's more to you know all of this. It doesn't. I don't know. It, to me, it just seems like there's more to this than what we're seeing here. There's got to be some previous history to have somebody like this just lash out like that too. Well, he um, has history, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I've always kind of been a Scott Speed fan from his Formula One days, and I think one of the most notorious ones was where he, um, Stenhouse Jr. got into the back of him in an ARCA race while they were battling for a championship, and Scott Speed got his car fixed. They didn't have the five-minute clock back then. Um, came out and then just destroyed Stenhouse's car, um, which is stuff, I mean, it's part of race. It's part of what we see. Uh, he's always kind of had a little bit of a hot head, but... Um, on the sim while they're promoting it, they have all these pro series. I think the timing is just horrible on his part. Um, is really kind of what really put in the limelight. I found his quote. Uh, it says, this is not real life. It's a game. The penalty for my action, if protested against is a suspension, which I accepted and received. I personally wouldn't feel like a man protesting a guy who I just accidentally wrecked out of the lead for returning the favor. But that's me, and I understand that thinking is not treating iRacing with the appropriate amount of respect and is wrong, and for that I sincerely apologize. So, not really a great apology from Mr. Scott Speed there, I thought. But uh, regardless, uh, you know, a couple articles came out. Uh, There was another one at uh, Kotaku.com about it. Um, And it got a lot of press, you know, and... uh, so what was that? So after the press picked it up, uh, what else happened after that, Will? So yeah, um, I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter, but Jeff Gluck he um, does articles about um, NASCAR and motocross and just kind of racing in general. And I've enjoyed his work, but he kind of chimed in saying, "Hey, I don't understand why people are taking this so seriously. It's just a game." And that's when things kind of really kind of spiraled on Twitter um, to the point where we had. Dell Jr., Will Byron, um, quite a few professional drivers chime in, kind of putting him in his place, saying, hey, iRacing is a serious simulator. People take it seriously. It's a great tool to learn. And, yeah, that was kind of how my, I think it was Sunday went, was just kind of, or Saturday, I think, was just reading through those articles because, yeah, Twitter exploded. <laughs> yeah, Twitter blew up, and iRacing was all over Twitter because of this. And, uh, I mean, Jeff Gluck, I know him. I've met him at a few of the NASCAR races and have had conversations with him. And he's a great guy, and I follow him. And I actually have notifications turned on on his Twitter feed because he has great NASCAR information. But he really missed the ball when he was, you know, hey, why are people mad at a video game? And and everyone let him know. There were tons and tons of responses from all kinds of iRacers out there, you know, educating Jeff on how this actually works. <laughs> and uh, Dale Jr. was probably the most eloquent out of all of them. What did he say, Will? Yeah, so Dale Jr. posted up, um, At iRacing is unbelievably realistic. I've spent years racing as an individual online determined with confidence he would do well driving our late models. Actually, did I read that wrong? 
I spent years racing. You yeah, spent okay. a year racing with. Yeah, with somebody. Sorry, I misread that. Um, with confidence, he would do well driving R8 models regardless of his experience or lack of it in real cars. Two track titles, a tour championship, and countless wins later, here we are. Yeah, he's talking about Josh Berry, and the reason he hired Josh Berry was he raced with him on iRacing, and that's how he got the job. Well, I mean, it just goes to show, you know, again, there are plenty of people that have been on iRacing that are in NASCAR or other series. Case in point are William Byron and Ty Majeski. Yeah. I think the best tweet of them all went to Landon Castle. Um, he said, I know one thing's for certain. You can't buy a ride into the Peak Antifreeze series. Right. Um, which I, I that had me dying because I think that shows just how serious and how competitive it is. The top level of iRacing, money doesn't buy you anything. That's hard work, determination, skill, talent. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons people I enjoy doing it because I'm never going to get beat because somebody spent more money than me. I'm going to get beat because somebody outdrove me. Yep. And then uh, Steve Myers, who's uh, in obviously works for iRacing, he got into the conversation. Respectfully, Jeff, I don't think you know the William Byron or Josh Berry stories then. Both proved to be people that mattered. Their iRacing skill translates to the real world. Talent is talent. But if they never put up results on iRacing, they never get a shot. And that's really true. I mean, if, you know, William Byron would never have been put in a real race car if he didn't do well on iRacing first. Like I just said. Exactly. So, uh, and then even William Byron uh, piped in as well and said, uh, true, uh, uh, as far as uh, Steve Meyer's point, he said the specific point being debated is about how opportunities to transition to the real world can, in fact, come from sim racing. Would William Byron have gotten to a Legends car if he had not proven your talent racing on iRacing? And William said, true. That is true. And then Steve Myers also offered, hey, Jeff Gluck, why don't you come to iRacing when you come up to for the New Hampshire race? And I'll personally invite you to our offices. We're only an hour away from the track. Come over and check it out. Yeah, Brad Kozlowski chimed in as well. Um, he just said, strange iRacing fight in my timeline, um, ranging from get off my lawn you, lawn, you darn kids, to every pro driver is a poser with daddy's money. I can crush in real life because I did that one time on a CPU, so... Um, I think everybody in the, definitely the NASCAR community definitely was able to see what was going on. Yeah. TJ majors also responding to Gluck. Uh, he said, uh, while it can't teach you a seat of the pants feel, iRacing has a ladder system to try and teach you the right way to come up. Finishing is more important than winning when you first start. Maybe iRacing is a better entry point. Sure do have a much larger playing field as well. So, very good point by TJ. Yeah, then uh, to kind of finish out the round of tweets, it looks like February 5th, so that would have been yesterday, uh, NASCAR and NBC posted, um, 
with Nan- Nintendo's announcement of Mario Kart coming to the iPhone and Android very soon, um, if you could only pick one racing game, what would it be? And they posted up Mario Kart, Gran Turismo, Forza, and iRacing. And uh, I think Jeff Gluck learned his lesson because his response was, iRacing is not a video game. It's a simulator. So, All right. A, All in capital letters. Yeah, I think he's been assimilated, as you might say. I, I think he finally got the point. <laughs> I think at one point Jeff tweeted, I can't believe I just wasted one of my rare Saturday afternoons off from work tweeting about iRacing for four hours. Yeah, I think he said it was this last Saturday, yeah, before they start up the NASCAR season, and that's how he spent it. And I, I guess uh, the the some of the the Twitter battles, it looks like they're continuing. It, it sounds like uh, just while we were doing the podcast here, it looks like Mike Davis might have um, spoke ill of iRacing um, during the Dale Junior download today, and so he already uh, Steve Myers already has his sights set on Mike, and I guess. I haven't heard the podcast yet. I'm looking forward to it, but I guess things got heated, and he said he thought he was going to have to go outside with Dale Jr., so Dale Jr. is still setting people straight, it looks like. Yeah, I can't have heard it yet either, but, yeah, I'm sure Dale Jr. will tell uh, Mike Davis, who, you know, Mike Davis shouldn't be talking about iRacing. All right, uh, one more <laughs> article that came out real quick here is the a quote from, Quotes from Steve Myers uh, over at Polygon.com. They actually got an interview with him about Scott Speed. Um, and it's kind of funny. I mean, you mentioned this, Will, earlier that the way that the news curve worked, it was all about Scott Speed. And then it turned into, is I racing a legitimate feeder series for NASCAR? And everyone forgot about Scott Speed for a while, huh? Yeah, no, in fact, I am... Um... Yeah, it was within a span of like an hour from the time I read it to when Jeff posted, and then the Scott Speed stuff was out the window because even Dale Jr. posted, what are you doing, Scott, with a little happy face laughing emoji? But then it transitioned so fast, um, Polygon actually posted an update to their original article talking to Steve Myers about the Scott Speed incident. Um, But yeah, it kind of... Almost disappeared on Scott there for a minute. Everyone seemed to forget. <laughs> yeah. What did, were you going to say, Tony? Oh, no, we can move on. I, I totally forgot. We're good. Oh, yeah. I was going to read a couple quotes from Steve Myers here. Um, he says, we don't do a permaban with anyone unless they've done something incredible, agrosious. I don't think I said that right. It's the same process for everyone, and he wasn't treated any differently than anybody else. Uh, Myers pointed out that Speed contributed on an uncompensated basis to the Dirt and Rallycross racing series that were just added to iRacing at the end of last year. Uh, He says, I think people forget that he really poured his heart and soul into helping us develop the Rallycross stuff on iRacing. That made the discipline tougher to mete out, but Myers said that he had nothing to do with that iRacing has a dedicated race steward, just like real life, who hears and adjudicates grievances. Speed was dealt with the same as any other driver, Myers said. He says, at the same time, I'm the one who has a relationship with Scott, so when something like this happens, it goes up the chain pretty quickly. I saw that video like 1 a.m. in the morning, and I wanted to throw up. I've known Scott since he was in NASCAR. When I saw that, I sent him a message that said, man, this is unacceptable. 
And I told him that it was a 99.9% that he was going to get suspended for it. So there's some quotes from Myers about what actually happened. I, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, if uh, Steve Myers is getting woken up at 1 a.m. in the morning because somebody wrecked somebody on iRacing. Well, I would say it's not just anybody at that point. It's kind of the face of GRC, um, their newest and biggest addition to the sim, um, which just makes it that much worse. Well, and let's wrap this conversation up about Scott Speed. I mean, what do you guys think? Did this hurt or help iRacing? I think when you say the, the saying I said before that any publicity is good publicity, I think it actually helped iRacing, to tell you the truth. Mike, I, I have to agree with you um, because, you know, uh, previously, as as he said, you know, like everything started with Scott Speed and this whole video and this, you know, and then uh, Jeff Jeff Glock chimed in and all of a sudden Scott Speed is totally forgotten about and just getting a huge amount of press all over the Twitter sphere about iRacing and, and, you know, how it can help people and what it actually is and... Um, you know, I really hope Jeff Gluck takes Steve Myers up on that offer, goes, tries it out and then reports on, um, reports on it afterwards. Um, I think that'd also be really good press. So, you know, yeah, it, it's terrible. Like, uh, Scott Speed face a GRC for iRacing does a super boneheaded move, gets dealt with like any other person would get dealt with, which is good on iRacing, on iRacing's part. Um, but I think... You know, that negative was definitely turned into a positive with the amount of good publicity that um, that happened over over Twitter and various other places. Oh, the forums. I mean, we haven't even talked about the forums at all. I mean, the forums blew up over this and Facebook and everywhere. And um, we don't have time to go through all of it. So. Yeah, that was probably. um I follow a lot of uh, so for Twitter as it's pretty just pretty much just racing for me. It's mostly NASCAR. That's all I use Twitter for, and it's been you know dead silent to, through the whole off season. And um, that news, I mean, it was just lit up with drivers tweeting back and forth and at you know the various people, <laughs> you know the, the the couple of people that had uh, needed the education. But yeah, I hadn't seen that kind of activity since you know Homestead. I personally think that, I don't know, it's it's good, but, it, you know, it's like you said, when you've had somebody that's helped iRacing build their, their newest creation, like, I mean, he's a brand ambassador, and, you know, when you got a brand ambassador doing something, you know, not good for the service, I mean, it, it might, it might, you got a lot of people talking about it, but, I mean, I'm sure there are a few people that are like, what's iRacing, and I look, and they're like, well, if they got a brand ambassador who's being dumb like this, why would I even want to join something like that? I'm not to totally defend Scott Speed, but if you look at his incident counts, it's actually fairly low, um, lower than mine personally. And I don't, I've never tried to wreck anybody like that. I just kind of get in the wrecks when they happen. Um, I really think this was probably a. I mean, there's been little videos pop up. I think these are very isolated incidents. Um, that don't happen too often, but when they do happen, it's obviously not good, and people saw it, it all went down, but I really don't, 
I feel bad for Scott Speed to some extent, but he did kind of dug his own grave. But he doesn't have a high incident count by any means. I think all his series are sub two incidents per race. So I think this just um, with iRacing growing as much as it has, the possibility of a NASCAR esports, then this happens. I think it was just a perfect storm of bad timing. Not to make any excuses for him, but yeah, it definitely, definitely, yeah, he definitely set a lot of stuff in motion. Up. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and like anytime somebody's racing Scott Speed, you know that there's so many people that stream and record their videos that pretty much every race he's been in is probably recorded. So you gotta figure these are probably the only times this has ever happened. He's probably having a bad day, bad week, or whatever, and just has a bad temper, obviously. But hopefully, as long, I mean they'll come out with fine just as long as, you know, he continues to be on iRacing and doesn't treat it, you know, doesn't have a holy grudge over it. They can get by it, get over he was, it. He was probably only suspended a week, but he sold all his stuff. So he's obviously done, but uh, there was a second video of him wrecking somebody else in GRC that was uh, circulating as well. Um, let's get to the next topic. Uh, Tony, what do you got next? Uh, we got some of those uh, T-shirt ideas coming in. They look pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. From uh, uh, Blipshift, um, you know, uh, lots of stuff coming in now. Um, design your own T-shirt, and um, you know, it's big contest. Win five hundred dollars in iRacing credits, and and get your, uh, you know get your design put on a t-shirt. I mean, um, looks like a lot of people are, uh, you know, having some fun with it. If you, if you check out Blipshift on, uh, on Facebook, um, you know, they got a bunch of pictures of the different, uh, uh, stuff on there. And I, I, I really like that. Uh, so I relaxing and, um, it's like a lazy boy chair and, you know, buddy's all done up in his glasses and, and helmet. And it's kind of cocked to the side a little bit as if he's, you know, going around a corner and um yeah this is some some really good stuff these guys are pretty darn creative yeah dive bomb is my favorite i don't know after the scott speed stuff i don't think they want anything to do with the wrecking <laughs> I, I my personal favorite is the uh the sim racer one where it's like a ones and zeros making a picture of a car um it just needs to say i racing but that i kind of like that kind of style yeah, Apex Hunter is another one. Play hard, race harder. That's another one. And then Got Eye Racing, like Got Milk. All right, well, get your T-shirt soon. I, I think the contest is over uh, already, so we'll know probably next week which one gets selected. All right, uh, what what's next, Will? Oh, so actually, I think I might have got a little out of sorts here. It looks like... It's next the fog thing. machine. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. So it looks like we got a Facebook pro post from Brett Beasley on iRacing Drivers World. It says, just one Daytona, bitches. Um, he's sitting in a rig with three monitors, wearing a helmet, and it looks like a fog machine's going off. So um, taking the sim to that next level. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're smoking your tires and you got a fog machine? That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, he's doing donuts and uh, he turns on the fog machine to get the full effect, I guess. Oh, hey. yeah. 
Why You'd be not? thankful it's the fog machine and not like his graphics card or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first. I've, I haven't seen a fog machine on a rig yet, so unbelievable. Now, is it- is that a helmet he's wearing, or is that a is that like a a, a fire suit uh, head covering? I think it's an actual helmet. It's kind of shiny. Okay. Ah, that that fog machine. That that's that's neat. That's awesome. Good for him. All right. Next. Uh, guess what? Friday night. Guess who wins GRC top split again? None other. None other than Mitchell DeJong again. Unbelievable. This guy is unbeatable. Nobody can beat him. They at least on a, this event. They, I was going to say, they just need to rename it the Dijon Championship. If I could actually step back one step, um, in that iRacing Myers, or the Steve Miles article, talking about um, Scott Speed, they mentioned um, the two new pro licenses, and I don't know if it was a typo, but they also mentioned... Two new rally cars, oh, yeah. and they mentioned the two LMP1 cars. And I don't know if that was a typo from the artist thinking those LMP1 cars are rally cars, um, or if we are getting two rally cars, one obviously being the Subaru we know about. And I'm just going on a out on a limb here. I'm thinking if we are getting two, Mitchell DeJong drives a Honda Civic rally car, so hopefully, um. There's a little leakage there and putting some pieces together, but um, he's doing all these race wins and he's not even in his real GRC car. So um, I don't know if he's going to be with Honda next year or if he's probably going to hop into a wagon. Um, but yeah, that'd be just, cool. Uh, Honda Civic. Yeah, if you go to Mitchell DeJong's Twitter page, his very top photo is a Honda Civic, Red Bull GRC Civic. So. Um, I don't know if I'm just kind of stretching here, hoping for more good news as far as content goes. But I think with him being that top premier driver, hopefully we do get a Civic along with that Subaru. Yeah. Another com- content that's coming out, Steve Myers posted on Twitter, uh, confirming for the next build in March, Lima Land is definitely coming. That's a dirt track. And it will, if I'm not mistaken, be the smallest dirt track we have in the sim so far. It's um, it's only a quarter mile, where I think Lanier's three-eighths of a mile, so a little bit smaller than that. And I was reading the forums, there's a lot of rumor that it might be one of the first dirt tracks we have where the pits are outside of the track. So um, no news there, but we do know it's coming coming soon. That'd be cool. All right, Tony, what's next? Uh, question uh, to Steve Myers over Twitter. Um, when will the Chevy Camaro uh, be scanned slash added? That's for the A car. Um, so he uh, he replied, we have the CAD data, but we need a visit with a physical car still to collect more data. Any of you folks out there with one that wants to let us spend some time with it, let me know. Cough, you know, at Bubba Wallace cough. So Bubba Wallace, come on. Send an invite. We want that car. Well, Tony Groves wants that car. Um, yes, he does. Yeah, maybe Bubba can help him uh, get the hookup, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I'm kind of surprised that they, they they don't have an in on this one yet. Um, really surprised about that. 
Right. They, they got to get with an actual team. And I don't know. I bet you the teams are hesitant for that kind of thing because, you know, we're right before season and, no, the you know, Ford and Toyota doesn't know what Chevy has yet, you know, so maybe, you know, the teams are being coy, but. Well, yeah, you're probably right about that, but, um, you know, purely for selfish reasons, um, they shouldn't be, and they should just <laughs> give this information up. I want that car. It looks so cool. I assume it's got to be in their contract where they, the deals they make that this obviously information doesn't leak to anybody. Um because that would be a huge lawsuit, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully Bubba will hook him up. Uh, next up, uh, Tony Gardner says, we're getting Pocono in the March build, the rescan of Pocono. And it will be uh, free if you have the existing Pocono Raceway. And they're going to be renaming the old Pocono Raceway, the uh, Pocono Raceway, you know, circa whatever year. Kind of like they did with Daytona. And so the, finally that's coming, but I, I'm pretty sure they changed the pit the pit wall length after they scanned it. Yeah, I would just having the new track surface will be better. Yeah, I think yeah. all the bumps and grooves are the really what they're after more so. I think the pit road lane, they could kind of work around that, at least. <laughs> you think they'll fudge it in there, even though they hadn't scanned it? Um, I think so, because, I mean, we're not racing on that line of the track, if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty yeah. low down there, so. I'd be okay with that, if they fudged it. They could get pitchers and, you know, kind of design it off pitchers. Didn't they do that somehow, somewhat off of Monza when they brought that out? Yeah, I say a big chunk of Monza, that oval, like that has been used in a long time. So I assume. Yeah, they had to fudge a lot of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, with Pocono, I think it was somebody, you know, f- flipped off a of turn three there or spun and they came in and hit pit road real bad. And so they extended that pit wall. But that was after iRacing did the scan for this track that's coming out in March. This March build, um, man, it's sounding like this is going to be a huge one. They got a lot of content coming up. Yep. Might need a new hard drive then. All right, let's get into hardware software. We're running out of time. Uh, I'll take this first one. Uh, two different style cockpits. This first video on YouTube was called The World's Simplest Do-It-Yourself Sim Racing Rig. And this guy uh, has a seven-minute video of him taking a, a seat and making a two-by-four frame for it with pedals. And then basically making a little stand for the steering wheel as well. And, uh, boy, it doesn't get more simple than that. I mean, that probably cost him under 10 bucks. I love this video. This is so awesome. I'll watch it through this video. Now, I have... My, like my, my setup is, is a desk and I have to convert it for work. Um, so, you know, it's very kind of, you know, rednecky and very slapped together, but it's solid and it works well. And this guy does the same thing. I mean, it's super simple. It's nothing fancy, um, but it looks like it, it works well. And I guess, you know what? That's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, painted it black at the end. It looks nice, I guess. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. 
All right. Next up was this is the craziest cockpit I've ever seen. Um, now this one is kind of hard hard to see. It's in another YouTube video. This one's called Sim Racing Cockpit Sim Racing Hardware Simulation Rig DIY Cockpit. Anyway, uh, it's mixed in with footage of this guy racing on Forza, but occasionally you get a clip of his cockpit, and he has got like a proper interior of a car, you know, full surround around the seat with, you know, leather and, you know, AM, FM, CD stereo, and looks like he's got the heating, AC components and everything. Navigation, you know, AC vents. I mean, everything you have in a regular car, this guy's got on his rig. Yeah, this one is like holy cow! I, I I'd like to know how long it took for this one to get built. It's like, yeah, it's like it's the full side console, everything, um, pretty much everything you see in a car, except he doesn't have a door or a roof on it. Um, but yeah, full out dash, every gauge that you could ever need, um, keys to turn it on, it all lights up just beautifully, and wow, what a piece of work! You can see the wheel is actually on eighty twenty. And this, you know, leather wood kind of cockpit is surrounding it. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Wait, yeah, it's also like you know, it's um, you know, a well put together cockpit, but it's also got a nice classic vintage touch to it. So it's, I don't know, kind of a soft leather look, almost like a Cadillac or something. Yeah, it looks like the interior yeah. of an old uh, big rig or RV. Right, an RV. That's yeah. There's buttons everywhere. Yeah, very cool, cool cockpit. Very impressed. Uh, that was from his YouTube name is Oliver. So search Oliver. All right, what's next, Will? All right, so it looks like we uh, have a new e-brake from Thrustmaster. Um, it looks like it says painstakingly developed in close collaboration with Sparco, the brand that def uh, defies standards for racing gear. Um, I didn't get to read too much into it, but it's a really, really nice looking e-brake system. Oh, and... I go ahead. Oh, yeah, you're good. You're good. I was gonna say I've been reading a lot about this. This is something I'm very, very, really, really want to get. It's not just an e-brake, but it's a sequential shifter, so you can make it either way you want. Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that's uh, it's actually a little more impressive because if you look at it, I have two shots up here. It's like one looks like it's a sequential shifter, and then you adjust it. Um, there's like little slots on the shaft where the handle goes to transform into the e-brake. Or more comfortable e-brake design, so that's actually really cool. Yeah, when I read, I read last year, last April, that Sparco was getting into sim racing, and this was one of the first announcement products that they, you know, did when they were talking about getting into this. Not only are they going to start doing this, but they want to start doing rigs and everything else also. This is heavy duty, dude. Heavy duty. Yeah, I'm curious to see if that build quality they have in actual real world racing products has carried over to sim racing products. It looks but, like it. Yeah, just this the price though is what's out of the it's three hundred dollars US. Or right around that. 
area. Man, that thing looks so solid, though. I mean, that's uh, really the only place you're going to get something like that now is going to be from, you know, the same companies that are making the ridiculous hydraulic brake sets. And so you're going to pay pay that for something like that from them. But, man, I, I think it does look pretty wicked, pretty awesome. I would consider this high-end for sure. I mean, it's got a nice, it's stainless steel kind of box, and it's got a toggle switch on the front. It looks like RCA jacks on the side. I don't know what those are for. There's actually a high-res picture on a Reddit thread. Uh, a guy has two of these mounted next to each other in his rig. He's obviously using one for handbrake and the other for shifter. I think it definitely makes a difference that, you know, like Perez said, where he's looked into this and you can also use it as a shifter. Cause I think that without that, I think the $270 just for an e brake is pretty rough. But as a shifter, too, it's solid, looks awesome. I like it. I mean, that's a nice addition to a rig. Now, how does it mount is always what I'm worried about. It looks like it just screws in from the bottom, but it's going to have to be mounted. It's it's just going to depend on what type of rigger you gonna you know try to mount it in because a custom rig you're going to have to custom mount it some different way, but it, from what I've seen it looks like it has mounting points on the bottom of it kind of like the Thrustmaster wheels and stuff. Yep. Says it's ninety percent metal. There was a write up on it on CarThrottle.com as well with some high res uh, photos as well. Um, and it looks really nice. It says it's an exact scale replica of the one found on the real world Sparco gear. Okay, uh, Tony, what's next? Oh, looking at a iRacing plugin for Prismatic, and. I did absolutely not look at this beforehand. I have got no idea what Prismatic is. It's LED strips that you uh, put, you connect or attach to the back of your television on the wall or your monitor. And you plug it into a USB and there's software and whatnot. And basically, it'll show rainbow-style color based on your rpms as you're racing so like if you you know redline the engine then everything glows red you know or as you're going up through the gears it's green yellow red you know and uh it's pretty cool it's a neat looking effect there's a video uh that shows how it kind of works it's kind of hard to describe but uh imagine like a rainbow kind of color these LEDs will change color based on what's going on with the car. Okay, yeah, that's kind of neat. I wonder if you'd be able to, let me like like uh, the the is it iFlag? Um, yeah, kind of like iFlag, right? Now, if you could set it to like you know for cautions and stuff. Um, yeah, everything goes yellow and or yeah, green flag. Oh yeah, that would have been great, especially uh, running Daytona uh, this past week when I totally didn't realize there wasn't a caution that big yellow beaming on my wall that would have been a good sign <laughs> now you can buy this uh the hardware at store.lightpack.tv 89 dollars. and i was actually thinking about getting this i kind of like it um 
and it's a package with the LED strips and the wiring and everything you need. And then you plug it into the computer, you know. And then as far as the software, uh, that was the first link we were talking about. Um, the pl- iRacing plugin, as they called it, you can read about this at a website called partsnotincluded.com. And this is a group of iRacers who run this website, and they've come up with this uh, this software that works with this product that you can get over at lightpack.tv. If you get this thing, Mike, uh, your neighbors are going to think that like you're getting abducted by aliens or something with all the crazy <laughs> lights going off in your house. That thing's pretty cool, though. Well, I actually have LED strips already, but they are static. I have a little control. I can change the color, but it doesn't change like automatically. So this would take it to the next level. Yep. Your neighbors come, man, that Mike guy must be having one of those parties again. He's got them crazy disco lights going on. Yep. I like it. I I really do. I think, you know, for 90 bucks, you know, it's kind of a neat addition. Um, All right. Will, what's next? So 3D wrap or three, yeah, 3D wrap it or 3d wrap dot it dot com um somebody looks like they made a 3d uh printing file you could buy and download and print up yourself to help improve the shifter on the g25 27 and g29 um it looks like you have to kind of mount it kind of under the pull off the boot on it mount it underneath uh looks like you could use that as a sequential shifter um or it makes it a little stiffer. I'm not too sure. It looks like there's a couple different variants, but um, people are actually utilizing these these 3D printers to improve their their gear. They're getting it from Logitech now. It, it's a weird product. I've never seen anything like it. But the idea, I think, is like you said, to make resistance when you shift. Now, my initial thought is, well, won't that tear up your shifter and break it? If you're adding resistance to it that it's not designed for. But that's basically what's happening here is they're putting a piece of plastic in the shifter that creates resistance so it makes it harder to go out of first into second and harder to shift into third. And it's more of a deliberate feeling as it goes from one to the other. And it's just basically putting these little plastic pieces inside the shifter. Yeah, and I've I've seen some stuff on 3D Rapid before as far as like um hubs you could buy for the i think the g25 through 29 as well as far as if you wanted to put a aftermarket wheel on that kind of separated it but if i'm if i'm understanding correctly it looks like you basically buy the 3d print but you still have to print it um but they do have a lot of stuff as far as the g25 27 hubs um throttle pedal mods so a lot of really cool stuff on here but if i'm not mistaken it's not something you just purchase you're actually buying the the file and have to put it in a 3D printer of some sort or find someone who has one. Right. Yeah, so the website is 3drap.it. Okay, I'll take the next one. A uh, web of a cockpit I found first sale. Uh, it's called vrx.ca is the website and it's 
basically fifty thousand dollars is starting price and what do you guys think i mean this is about as good as it gets man it's got the d-box motion and it looks really really nice so you're buying this next week right mike yeah i was gonna ask i was gonna say it was so nice of you to buy this for everybody here tonight it's a traditional D-Box setup. Uh, I think it's overpriced a little bit, obviously. It's supposed to be like a turnkey solution uh, where, you you know, you buy everything from these people. And uh, it, it's a good setup, man. If, if you have the money, this is something to certainly look at. Um, I've really been intrigued with the D-Box motion system. And, uh, you know, it comes with the PC, the monitors, 5.1 surround, Everything, the pedals, the the wheel, all of it. If I'm spending fifty grand and it's something that takes up that much space as what it looks like that thing does, I'm just going to drop a stock car in my living room. <laughs> yeah, put the most of the stuff in that. There you go. Yeah, it looks like he's got three fifty fives on that thing. Yeah. And I'm not seeing any bezels, so I'm thinking they got that uh, that bezel uh, that that prism bezel hider um already attached to this thing maybe that comes with it too it better uh, for that price i was thinking like maybe a rear projector of some kind maybe because yeah there is no seam on that screen man who has this type of money though i mean realistically i understand race teams do but i mean i, I don't think anybody in this room could realistically afford it i mean this is just show. I, i'm this glad you brought that up chris candy. because when this company, the reason I found out about them is they're sponsoring Jeffrey Earnhardt in the uh, NASCAR Cup Series, and they've signed on as a sponsor. So where did that money come from? Uh, maybe they're people. hoping. <laughs> maybe they're hoping the rest of the field will go check out their website because uh, I guess a lot of those guys could afford this rig and could get some use out of it. Yeah, but, you know, not your normal, everyday iRacer can't afford this. Oh, heck no. I'd be afraid to touch it. You know, I bet you there's just enough people out there that can afford it, that buy it, and the markup is just high enough that they stay afloat. It's something that, kind of like buying a Ferrari or a Porsche, um, it's not a Honda Civic or a, a Toyota Corolla, which are sold massively like, say, a G29 would be. But I'm sure there's definitely people out there that buy it enough to keep them in business. And um, I for yeah, I saw them um, sponsoring Jeffrey Earnhardt. And I think a lot of people are going to hear all this iRacing news. They're going to see that on Jeffrey's car, going to look them up and think, oh, wow, okay, I am not iRacing at all. Um, it's the only downside to it that I can see. Yeah, I agree with that because people are, you know, people that aren't, you know, knowledgeable about this stuff. I mean, if if they see a sponsor like that and go, "Oh, I racing," let me look up. You know, what is what is a rig cost? You know, and they see that a rig costs, you know, fifty three thousand dollars, depending on what options you put on it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, but you, you know, you, you guys were asking how, um, you know, how how certain people afford this. I, I guarantee you, there are plenty of people that afford this, no problem. I mean. Uh, my, my girlfriend, where she works, people drop four to eight thousand dollars every day on products. So, 
Well, yeah, if, if you think about maybe a guy that's uh, retiring from racing, you know, a weekend racer, if he sells off his car, you know, all of his equipment, this thing's, you know, right in budget. And it takes over for the hobby that he's had, you know, for years. And it's way or, cheaper after that or, initial I mean, investment. <laughs> I mean, I'll be right back. If you, I mean, you know, if, if, if you save up for it, right? I mean, there's, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are quite a few people that, that can afford this if they really wanted to, that are just, just have everyday jobs. I mean, I, I, I know some people that could. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so it looks like a uh, next topic we have here. Um, it uh, looks like staffer Randy Cassidy posted up about the read through here the black box where it kind of maintains your frame rate. Um, we got a little news about what everything stands for there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm back. Somebody's at my door. Yeah, I wanted to review this because I, I always forget this. So we've talked about it before, but I always forget. Um. Now, if you go to the app INI and you change the setting from a 0 to 1, the setting's called CPU meter, you'll get some additional items in the FPS box. And one of those is C, which means CPU. Okay, and this basically uh, tells you what the CPU is doing. Okay, and then the S is skew. Now, skew measures how far ahead or behind the simulation is compared to world time. Are you in sync with everybody else? Are you in sync with the server? R is renderer, which measures the amount of time it's taking our code that is running on the CPU to create frames to hand off to the graphics card. And then G, the final one, is graphics, which is a measure of how long it takes the graphics cards to process the frames that are being the renderer gives it to draw. And so the lower the number, the better on those, the higher the worse. So it can give you some information about is your uh, graphics card bottlenecking? Is it the CPU bottlenecking? Uh, do you have a problem with skew, which is server uh sync with the the client to the server that would be an internet kind of issue so i don't know if i explained it right but that's what i understand i got it i'm glad you posted this i had actually came across this um a couple of months ago but wanted to add i wanted to see what um how my graphics card was doing and I couldn't find this. I mean, I didn't. I didn't do a whole lot of searching, but I I couldn't find the information. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to find. Uh, I have it. I've had it turned on for a long time, but I look at those sometimes and I forget what they are because it only tells you the letter. It says C, S, R, or G. All right. Uh, final topic, Tony. You got it. Yeah, jump over into the real world and let's talk about our, uh, you know, our favorite um, iRacer turned real driver, Ty Majeski. Um, he uh, posted a fourth place finish. Um, now, Mike, you got to help me out where this that is. That was a Snowballs uh, late model race that Kyle Busch won. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I didn't read down far enough, but... Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, just week in and week out, you know, it never fails. We, we got something to, to talk about with Ty Majeski and, you know, how well he's doing. Um, it's, it's, it's great to see him, uh, you know, it's, it's not a full-time ride, but, uh, you know, it's something in the Xfinity series where, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to see him really shine. Yep. Yeah, this was uh, the fourth annual Winter Showdown. I think they call it the Snowball Classic or something like that. But it's, uh, yeah, super late model race. Kyle Busch won. Uh, it was his first win of the year, obviously. And uh, but, but, yeah, tight, you know, respectable finish, fourth, pretty good. All right, let's get into final thoughts. Chris Perez, what do you got? I'm ready for the road to pro. Yeah, road to pro. Just ready to see what that has to bring. Looking forward to getting out there and seeing who all's running and how far off I am at first. All right, yeah. I think everyone's ready for that. See what happens. Uh, Chris Scales, what do you got? Final thought. I'm just ready for NIS, um, same as every week. Um, one other thing, I'd just kind of be nice to everybody out there. I was in a, a race with um, some people the other day that uh, this, this kid had got on, and uh, his, only, uh, his only crime was being too enthusiastic. He wasn't you know, racing anybody. He was just talking too much. And, man, a couple of guys just lit into him. So uh, just be kind to your fellow iRacers and you know, treat them like you treat a you know, friend, your dad, your grandma. Be nice. Yeah, don't pick on the chipmunks, right? Yeah, these kids that I've, uh, you know, I haven't been around all that long, but the kids that I run into on iRacing, like I said, they're usually, that's it's just like that kid. Their only crime is being too enthusiastic. They're not usually there to cause any trouble. It's a whole different breed from what you will see on, you know, a Call of Duty or something like that. These are mostly good kids, so, you know, just... <laughs> Just uh, tolerate them and try to help them. Yeah, use some use the moot button. I mean, some of them. Yeah, do, yeah, exactly. Some of them though do do need to learn how to drive a little bit. So, I mean, but that goes for <laughs> that goes for most of the adults on here too, especially in my splits. So, yeah, don't don't, don't treat me any different just because they're a kid. You know, think about it if it's your kid. Yeah, the I rating and the talent will shake out. They'll end up where they belong. But, uh, yeah, you got to be, you know, cordial to people, especially if they're underage. Guys, remember, we do have underage people out there. All right, David Flowers, final thoughts? Uh, just waiting for the new Road to Pro series starting Tuesday and waiting for the NIS uh, Daytona Wednesday and for Will to start crew chiefing for me for the season. See how that goes. All right. Tony Groves, final thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, I'm, you know, I'm excited to do this Road to Pro series and the NIS series. I mean, we're we're all just chomping at the bit now. It's it's been way too long. Um, so, but you know, going into this, uh, you know, two series coming up, and 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 that run that I had at Daytona, I know I brought it up a couple of times, but um, you know, that was a good run. Um, and uh, give me a nice confident boost uh, over, uh, you know, I've had a, had a rough couple of weeks. Um, so that, that, you know, that was, uh, that was real nice, even though the finish wasn't where I wanted, but uh, nice little confidence booster to, uh, you know, jumpstart me into NIS. All right. 
William Gibson, final thoughts. Uh, you know, I'm just excited for this upcoming season. I feel like um, 2018 and iRacing, they have some big plans. Road to Pro, obviously we have NIS, all the Dirt Oval and Rallycross Pro Championships. I feel like it's a good time to be a member. I'm thankful to be part of this team and be doing this podcast. And hopefully I um, me and David can put together some wins in the NIS and the Road to Pro, um, get my first shot at crew chiefing. But yeah, just excited for this upcoming time and um, a lot of stuff going on. So I'm glad I glad I signed up for iRacing. Definitely worth it. Oh yeah. Well, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, NIS and this team Tafosi. I mean, we have a good lineup. Really excited about the group we have, and there's a lot. There's more excitement at the beginning of the season than I've felt in previous years. Uh, as we go into Daytona and so forth, I'm looking for a win. I mean, that final road to pro at Daytona, I almost had it. I almost had it. And, you know, every time I roll into a restrictor plate, I, my confidence is high. And, and when I finish like that, you know, P3, man, that really feeds my confidence even more as we go into the 500. So, uh, boy, next week I'm going to give it hell, guys, and I'm going to get me one. So, um, I haven't gotten a 500 win yet, and I think I uh, want one of those. So with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.